Hi, I'm Emily Salaby, founder of Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company, and your host on the Hazard Girls podcast here on Jacket Media. I'm so honored to host this show where I get to chat with Hazard Girls about their careers. Hazard Girls is an online community for women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. On our show, you'll get to hear from these amazing women about the path that led them to their current careers, challenges they've overcome, advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Our guest today is Lutisha Miller. Lutisha has dedicated two decades to working in industrial construction, building pipelines for the energy industry, and looks forward to future gains of the sustainable energy transition. Having started out as a field laborer and welding apprentice, she has evolved into a project controls specialist, overseeing teams to manage project budgets, schedules, and worker productivity. Letitia lives a zero float life. We're going to have to ask her what that means. Making an experience of every day and adventuring the world with her two teenage boys. She is driven by the pursuit of lifelong learning interest in renewables and sustainability, and a passion for construction innovation. Letitia, welcome. It's such an honor to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. It's really good to be here. Okay, you have to tell us, what is this zero <laughs> life? What does that mean? Okay, so as a project controller, part of my specialties is construction planning. And one of the methodologies we use is called critical path method. And so it's essentially identifying your longest path of construction And that means that there's zero float, there's zero wiggle room in between the end of one activity and the start of next, Uh if you want to achieve your schedule. So essentially, I have all of my life is just packed in because I want to fit as much experience and adventure into this life as possible. So that's what I mean by zero float. Oh, I love that. So you bringing it from your profession into your family life. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. Okay, well, why don't you tell us a little bit about what exactly your job is right now? What's your title? Where do you work? What do you do? Okay, so I am the project controls manager for PTW Energy. And so we are an energy services provider in Alberta and actually throughout North America. So in project controls, what we do is we measure and manage all aspects of project cost, project budget, project schedule, and then also performance. And we use that to establish where we're at and where we think we're going to be the end of the project. Okay. And so what is it that you like about your job? Oh, what I like about my current job is it's a constant puzzle. Every arm of, say, budget, schedule, or performance that moves, it means that the other two arms of this triangle move as well. So you're constantly trying to determine where you you are and then how that's going to affect the project later on. So every day is different. Every challenge is different. Every environment is different. That's what I love about it. Hmm. I love that. That's so it's, it sounds like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And do you talk to your kids about it? Do they know what you do? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I've even tried to get them using a uh, scheduling software. <laughs> and once uh, they're at home due to COVID and school was canceled, one of their at-home projects was learning Microsoft Excel because this is the word, world that I live in day after day. I just, I do think it's incredibly engaging and exciting. Yeah, well, school's out, so you have to teach them what you know, right? <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> oh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, like where you're from, and what your path was to your current position. Okay. So I grew up in Eastern Ontario 
And then I've spent half of my life in Alberta. So that's in Western Canada, where we have a large oil and gas history. And when I moved out here, as soon as I became an adult, that's where I discovered industrial construction. I had previously had a past in army cadets and as an infantry reservist. So when I moved out here and discovered industrial construction, it seemed kind of familiar. It was familiar territory for me. It was difficult, hard work, male dominated, and all of that to me appeared as a challenge. And I find it hard to say no to a challenge. It was almost like a dare. And I I really just wanted to see if I could do it. It was the next mountain to climb. So, and then what was your entry into the industry? Like, how did you start out? Well, initially I moved to Alberta and I was working with my dad in the safety industry, but I would see these welding rigs rolling around town and I thought that's what I want to do. So I went to the biggest field services operation in this tiny town I was living in called Rainbow Lake, which is way far north. And I just showed up their office and initially was told they didn't have any work. I knew at some point they would have work. So I just continued to show up every day. I would put on my my big baffins, which are giant steel-toed boots that you wear in minus 40 degree weather. And I would walk down to the shop and I would stay there for the tailgate meeting. If they didn't have any work, then I would just walk home. And I did that for about two weeks until eventually a spot came up and I was tagged in. One of the welders, his, his apprentice was out for the week. So that provided an opportunity for me. So Okay. So you wanted a job there and they told you there was no work. So you just (laughs) went there anyway. (laughs) I just continued to show up. Absolutely. And what did you do? Just sit there and just kind of watch everyone walk by? Yep. Pretty much. I would just sit on the sidelines and I'd sit at the back of the crowd as everyone received their instructions and their safety instructions for the day from their foreman. And then if they didn't put me to work, then I walked home. I just somehow knew that eventually a spot was going to open up. Yeah. And they got used to seeing you. Yep. And you became a normal fixture. And it was it only made sense. I love that. Exactly. I think that's actually a really important lesson to teach young people is that persistence and that sort of like make yourself just make yourself familiar, you know, to them. Absolutely. I think it was just a product of understanding you don't just show up once. You have to show up repeatedly and you have to have some level of consistency. You can't just let the first rejection push you away. So you got that job and you started as a welder's apprentice. Is that right? Yep. That's what I did. So you did that for how long? I did that for about four years. And then thanks to leadership and the people that I worked with, I was given other opportunities to learn, to develop myself. So I moved into quality inspection and spent a few years doing that. And then after having my children, I went back to work, but more in the corporate side of things. So in the project services. So that's where we're working from home office. We're bidding the work. We're planning the work, and then the field execution teams take it out and do the work. So when you went back to work after having your children, was that the same company? It was the same company. Yes, just an entirely different role. And that's when I started in project controls. And they welcomed you back. Was that a difficult transition? It was difficult. It was difficult making the transition from field to office. Number one, your hours are completely different. I went from working, you know, 15 days on, seven days off to a Monday to Friday job. So it was far more, I guess, consistent and predictable. 
but now I had two children in tow. That was certainly a challenge. I was a single mother at the time. So all of, you know, the care feeding and responding to say daycare emergencies that fell onto me. So there was a bit of pressure, potentially perceived pressure for ensuring that my being a mother didn't impact my profession or didn't impact my work. One of the things that I'm I'm seeing about COVID now is as we've all moved to working remotely, we're almost see, getting this window into our coworkers' lives. So whereas previously, we all kind of shelved ourselves, our personalities as parents, as mothers, we shelved it before we got to work and we were these other work selves. And now that everyone is working remotely and we at least have these audio cues because we're hearing people's families in the background and we find it that we each have these homes full of people and those homes full of people are the reason that we go to work. And so we're seeing the humanity in each other. So the pressure that I felt to kind of shelve my mother self before I went to work, I feel like it's a changing dynamic now and we are compelled to feel so pressured to leave behind who we actually are in order to perform in our jobs. Yeah, that is a very real feeling. That feeling of putting your home life kind of behind you somewhere as if it's something to hide. Mm -hmm. Certain workplaces, I've experienced that too. So I hope you're right. I hope that, you know, this little peek into everyone's life does open, open up the culture a little bit to understanding that we are multifaceted people. We're not just, we're not just who we are in the office at work all the time. And that all these oh absolutely consideration yeah I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience being a woman in your field both when you started out and more on the corporate side now what is that like sure well when I started out that was 20 years ago so mm-hmm. <laughs> quite a while ago and so perceptions and beliefs were a little bit different even then but largely I've had an excellent experience. Otherwise I I wouldn't still be doing it after 20 years. My philosophy in life is if you don't like it, then change it. So I certainly would have found a different route to follow. I have worked with exceptional leaders who once I was in, they gave me opportunities to grow, to earn, to develop and challenge myself. Mm -hmm. So largely my experience has been amazing. Now, Occasionally, I've come across a dinosaur with predated views on either women working or women in construction. I'd also already seen that in the military. Mm -hmm. But usually, I just laugh off those opinions as I find them to be almost hilariously and objectively wrong. Yeah. As Eleanor Roosevelt, I love this quote from her. She said, no one can insult you without your permission. So when I heard, you know, some what could be perceived as offensive comments, I just laughed them off. That person's lack of knowledge or their experience has nothing to do with me. So I just carry on knowing that I'm doing good work and I'm doing important work. It has everything to do with them and nothing to do with you. That's so true. Absolutely. Yeah. First of all, how many women are in your industry? Is it sort of a, a very a dis- disparate gender ratio? Oh, I was often the only female on our work crews. And those crews could range from anywhere from 20 to 60 personnel. Generally speaking, I was the only female. Occasionally, there might be one or two. And 
apart from the administrator. Trade to trade, it's a little bit different. Now in project services, we're definitely seeing the ratio of, of women to men increase. So on the project services teams that I'm working on, I would say we're sitting around the 30% mark and with exceptional opportunities for leadership. So I'm, I'm really happy to see that change and looking forward to it evening out further. And I fully would love to see more women in the trade side, because I do think through my experience and what I've seen in others, personnel who come from the trade side, they make excellent leaders, they make excellent managers, they make excellent project controllers and project managers because they're able to apply that tangible field experience. So if we can couple that with the female viewpoint and perspectives, then all the better. So you were out in the field and then you took some time off with your children and you came back. When you came back to work, you were in the corporate area of the company. Did it sort of take you some time to feel like you really had a right to sit at the table with everyone else being one of the only women? Or did you feel that right away? How did that happen for you? I felt like I should be there. And I think that's one of the things that's always propelled me in my career is I feel a sense of almost entitlement. I feel I am expected to be at the place where I want to be. Mm -hmm. And so I own that space. And that's very important to me. In some ways, it's kind of like, I'm going to be here, you're going to get used to seeing me. And eventually, I'll prove to you why it is that I should be here. And I'll get people on board that way. So in that way, I own my space and I own being part of the team. The biggest hurdle that I faced in going to the corporate side was that I came in with a field background. I did not come in with a degree. So that was the major hurdle for me was proving to people that I still had the aptitude, I had the knowledge, and that I could perform on the corporate side of things. So how did you overcome those perceptions? I have made heavy use of mentors. Uh, I've sought out guidance and I've reached out to people to understand how is it that I can make myself better? What are the qualifications or what are the skills that I need in order to perform the role? And so I've had some great mentors. One of those people put me down in the route of project management professional. So I earned my PMP. I got the project management certification. And that was really imperative in giving me a common language to speak for project execution. Otherwise, I am a self-directed learner. I am passionate about learning. So I'm always seeking new knowledge. It doesn't necessarily have to come by way of formal education. It can come through different routes and different experience. And I'm a full believer that we should never stop learning. You know, talking to you, you mentioned that you always felt that you did have a place and that you did deserve to be there. And you're not the first person I've interviewed who has told me this. I'm noticing that in a lot of the women in non-traditional fields that I interview, they do have that feeling and they've had it for a long time, that they have a right to be there. They're not suffering as much from the imposter syndrome that a lot of people talk about. And I'm wondering if that's sort of a common thread among a lot of women in non-traditional fields. It's got me wondering. But I do also know in, in the Hazard Girls group, there was a survey I had put out a while back asking people who their biggest critic was, and something like 90% said themselves. So I'm just wondering, you know, have you had to fight 
your own internal battles in any way as far as imposter syndrome or, you know, just psyching yourself up? I think certainly. I think we can be overcritical of ourselves and our missteps. I've certainly done that myself. And sometimes I have to force myself to step back and take a look at the situation and assess it the way that I would if it wasn't me standing in the center that I was assessing. So how would I assess, say, my coworkers? And how empathetic would I be? And how understanding would I be? And sometimes it's a little bit difficult to be forgiving to yourself for your missteps. The most important thing is to identify okay, what could have been better? What could be improved upon? And address those things specifically. Okay, can you talk a little bit about being a single mother as you were getting back into your career and how that played into your path and you know, how you've dealt with all the different responsibilities that you've had and what advice would you give to other mothers that are looking to enter your field? Well, I think first off, especially what we talked about with the recent environment and with COVID kind of reminding us all that we are humans first and we are workers and employees second, is you are allowed to be a mother. It isn't something that you should shelve when you go to work. It is something that you should own. Chances are your children are a big part of your why not just for being there, not for just for collecting a paycheck, but we want to be the best role models that we can be for our children. So personally, I want to achieve so that I can show my children what is possible. I want to show my children that I'm working on my own personal development, be that is currently, for example, I'm doing my executive MBA and I want to to show my children that learning is a lifelong process. I want them to see me studying so that they understand that they will always be growing and that it's incumbent upon them to seek out the knowledge that they need to perform. As a single mother of young children, the burden is undeniable. The amount of work that is involved, I look back on it now and I, I don't even know how I managed half the time. I think adrenaline was a huge part of it. Coffee probably played a large factor also. So all of my respect goes out to these women for performing and then going home and being the best mom they can be. I love seeing that. And just give yourself a pat on the back because it is certainly not easy, but you're doing it. Well, in your industry in general, are there any ideas you have or ways to make things better for parents? I know we've talked a little bit about COVID and how things are changing and how hopefully that will translate over into things when everything starts going back to normal or to post-COVID world anyway. But even looking back at how things were before, you know, how can we make things better for parents and women in general? I think that's a really great question. The one that comes to mind for me is flexible working hours. When a parent is forced to adhere to, say, daycare schedules, traffic, school schedules, it's really helpful for employers to be understanding of those constraints and to allow for the workday to be shifted one way or the other. I have been really fortunate that I've had employers who've always understood that and afforded me the opportunity to see to my children's needs. I think the gains that we've made with distributed work and remote work 
are huge. I think that they are really going to allow employees to be more present in their homes. So where employers are willing to implement those options, I I think that will be a really huge gain for families and for communities. What would you tell your 16 year old self or the you that was you when before you really knew what you wanted to do? I would say to my 16 year old self that everything you want and everything you think is going to happen is going to happen. And I don't know if that's indicative of, you know, what you think about you bring about, but I just want that girl to hold her head up high and with confidence walk into the future because what she wants, she will get. I love that. That's beautiful. Well, Lutisha, are you available for listeners to reach out to you if they are looking for any advice or? Absolutely. I'm always happy to both mentor or be mentored. So I can be found on LinkedIn at Lutisha Miller. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us, Lutisha? If I had any other advice for women in a male-dominated field, what I would suggest is to remember that if that's where you want to be, that's where you should be. Own your right to be there. But also beyond that, be realistic and consider it critically. If there are gaps in your skills and training, find out what they are and fix them. Mm -hmm. Because no one owes you a place simply because you want it, but they do owe the place to the person who has the right skills to get the job done. So if you want it, make sure that that person with the right skills is you. Mm, Beautifully put. Well, Letitia, it's been so much fun to have you on. Thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. I love that we can just, we can learn from each other and inspire each other to see what is possible in these different fields. And I really hadn't considered the energy industry. And I hope that there are people out there listening who are now aware of this field. Well, thank you, Emily. I really, I adore the work that you're doing and I adore the presence that you've been for Hazard Girls and for all women in non-traditional environments. You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Salaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.